We are in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I was telling someone this morning, I'm like, you know, there's, there's times when pastors teach and they teach through the Bible, they get to a certain point, and they're just like, oh, you know, and today's one of those days, it's like, oh, man. Uh, and I was like, Lord, don't let there be any first timers here today, because we're talking about money today. I'm not. Paul, Paul's talking about money. I, I'm just working my way through the Bible and... <laughs> so bear with me, all right? Uh, but he, here's what you have to remember, is that Paul, when he is writing this letter to Corinth, which is like the third letter, uh, it's actually our second Corinthians that we're going through, he's traveling through Macedonia. And in Macedonia, Troas, and these different areas, uh, ministry is going really well. And he feels responsible for what's happening back in Jerusalem, which is they're struggling financially, like resources and everything else. Poverty is like hitting Judea. And so he feels this need, well, not feels, but God's put on his heart to collect this fund called the Jerusalem Fund. And so everywhere that he's going on this third missionary trip, he's collecting money from the churches, the believers, and he's taking it back to Jerusalem for, for the Jews, really. So think about that for a second. He's traveling outside of Israel to the Gentiles, and he's asking the Gentiles to give to the Jerusalem fund for the Jews. It's kind of an interesting concept there. But he he gets to this chapter and he used the Macedonian people, the churches there, as a positive example. Obviously, sometimes Paul uses people as a negative example, but this is a positive example. So here we go into 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which is where we left off uh, last week. We want you to know, brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia. He literally, uh, anytime I see that word grace, I, I want to stop because uh, obviously that's, that's one of our, that's what we wave around here is that, that banner, that grace banner. And I, I think people understand the word simply means attractiveness, charm, uh, thanks, thankfulness, uh, could benefit people. Uh, speak of favor to someone. And obviously, we think about it as God gave us grace and salvation. Like, I came to know Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord, and that was grace from God. But now, I see grace as something even greater than that. I see as Doug was saying, there's a Holy Spirit that lives inside of me simply because I believed. The moment that I believed, the Spirit came and took residence up inside of me. I know that sounds weird to some of you, but that's the case. I didn't understand it. I was eight years old. I didn't get it. It took me many, many years to figure that out. But now that the Spirit lives inside of me, I, I literally try to let Him live my life for me every day. And to me, that is a different grace. God's strength 
working through me is grace. And I honestly believe, I honestly believe that that's what's happened here is that when he says the grace of God that was given to the churches of Macedonia is that these people, these believers are literally letting God work through them. And that's why they gave gracefully. Verse 2, it says, During a severe trial brought about by affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. He says that there was severity going on during the time. There was a test going on for these people. Not only was there a test, but these people in Macedonia, Macedonia, they were already living in poverty. So they weren't as wealthy as the church in Corinth. They were known as a poor area. They were deep in poverty. They were at the like rock bottom of destitution. But he says there's, their circumstances didn't hinder them from giving. Even in their poverty, and even in this severe test, they gave joyfully. I can testify that according to their ability, and even beyond their ability of their own accord, they begged us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in the ministry to the saints, and not just as we had hoped. Instead, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us by God's will. Now, as I said earlier, Gentiles now collecting fund for the Jews, the Jews were, were known for giving money. It was kind of almost a piety thing that they had established. But now they were in need, and the Gentiles were coming to their, to their needs. Verse 6, it says, So we urged Titus that just as he had begun, so he should also complete among you this act of grace. Remember, Paul had written a pretty harsh letter, and he's sitting over to Titus. And he delivered that letter. And then he went and found Titus and got a report. How did they receive the letter? Well, how are they doing on the Jerusalem fund? And obviously Titus said, uh, they're, they're not doing so hot on the Jerusalem fund. Now watch this. It says, Now as you excel in everything, in faith, speech, knowledge, and all diligence, and in your love for us, excel also in the act of grace. I'm not saying this as a command. Rather, by means of the diligence of others, I'm testing the genuineness of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. You know, uh, one of the amazing things about the gospel, when you think about the gospel and the way that God initiated the renewing of the world, it's counterintuitive to how we do things as human beings. Like right now, there's, uh, there's countries that are using their force, using their military to take control. And that seems like what has always occurred. But it seems that Jesus would always do the unexpected 
what God was doing, he was setting up a way of taking over the world that it wasn't by military might. It was by transformation. How, how do we transform the heart of the people that would make people servants rather than warriors? Like everything that Jesus did, it was opposite of what the Jews expected which is why they wouldn't consider him the Messiah. He was born in a manger. He was a carpenter's son. He was from Nazareth. He rode into town on a donkey. All these things that you just don't expect your hero, your Messiah to do, this is what God intended. He did things unexpectedly. It's by servanthood rather than by military might. So it says there, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich for your sake, he became poor. Think about it. He was with God in heaven and he came down here in human form. Baby, carpenter's son, all that stuff. Gave it all up. So that he could actually die on a cross his blood poured out for your forgiveness of sins. Verse 10 it says, And in this matter I'm giving advice because it is profitable for you who began last year not only to do something but also to want to do it. You see, a year ago they committed to the Jerusalem fund, but now they haven't done anything about it. Now also finish the task so that just as there was an eager desire, there may also be a completion according to what you have. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what the person has, not according to what he does not have. It is not that there should be relief for others and hardship for you, but it is a question of equality. Now, uh, some people will interpret that verse right there as Paul was teaching communism. Like you take from the rich and you give to the poor and make everybody have equal amounts. Well, that's definitely not Paul, what Paul is teaching because he's saying do this from your heart. Do this. This is volunteerism. You, you're the, we're not taking it from you. You have a choice. You have a choice to give this. It's not, if, it was, if it's grace, it's definitely not pressure, that's for sure. They gave because they wanted to give and because they had experienced the grace of God. I, I truly believe if you experience, let's, let's just say this right here. One of the reasons I have a difficulty teaching this this message right here is because obviously you know me, I don't, I don't talk about money in here. I've never passed an offering plate in the, how long have we been in existence? 13, 14 years. Don't have a joy box in the back. We don't talk about it. Just don't talk about it. And from the beginning, I can remember sitting at a Sunrise Cafe with uh, four guys that were elders at the time and saying, you know, I left a pretty good position at my previous church. 
and don't have a salary, I need to write a letter to everybody and start asking for support. And they're like, why would you do that? Well, because I need to support my family. I need to take care of them. Yeah, but why wouldn't you just trust God? Remember that day, Matt? Why wouldn't you just trust God? Oh, yeah, sure, it's easy for you, Mr. John Hancock, Mr. C.P. Morgan, Mr. (laughs) Kite Construction. Yeah, it's easy. You go home and tell my wife, we're just going to trust the Lord. And they looked at me and said, why wouldn't you do that? All right. I never sent a letter. Never asked anybody for a dime. And it's by the grace of God that we sit here today in this. Blessed beyond belief. Not bragging about us, but bragging about what God has done. I truly believe this. I I believe this. If we teach this message, not the condemnation, you know, you need to get saved, you're going to hell, you know, that message, but what Doug just got up here and said, in a ma- I, I, he wasn't prepared. He just came up here and it just flowed from him that, look, there's a spirit that lives inside of me and it allows me to do some incredible things. So if we can teach this message that God takes your old heart out, your old sinful heart out, and puts a new heart in you, makes you a new creation, makes you wholly redeemed, he's forgiven you of all your sins, past, present, and future. Like You live in a state of forgiveness. There's nothing you can do to cause God to love you any less or any more. He loves you dearly. If you can teach that message in the middle of all the other messages that you hear and just free the people up, You're free in Christ. You don't have to do any of this. You get to do this. And look what he does. You don't have to ask for it. It come. I we get we get blessed every week, almost every day. And I believe the grace of God will open your heart and he also opens your hand. Verse 14, it says, At the present time, your surplus is available for their needs so that their abundance may in turn meet your need in order that there may be equality. As it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, and the person who had little did not have too little. And the idea there is like of the even distribution. Make sure that everybody in the community has the basic needs. We take care of this community, this Leavener community first. There's times when you go through seasons when there's a need. I get it. It's fine. The Lord's given us money so that we can take care of that. Receive it. Just receive it. Really. It's what he's doing. It's what they did back then. It's like they took care of each other and made sure that everybody was okay. There's going to be seasons where you can give and there's going to be seasons where you need to take or you need to receive. It's good. Verse 16, he says, Thanks be to God who put the same concern for you into the heart of Titus. For he welcomed our appeal and being very diligent went out to you by his own choice. 
We have sent him with the brother who is praised among all the churches for his gospel ministry. Paul goes on, verse 18 right here, and he talks about this one brother in Jesus, but then later he talks about another brother, but he never names them. We we can take guesses at who they are, but I don't know why it's that important. The first brother is mentioned in verse 18. He's a person that's obviously universally praised, so this is someone that has a sterling reputation, and he's deeply committed to the gospel. We can figure that out pretty much by what Paul's saying here. And then in verse 19, he says, And not only that, but he was also appointed by the churches to accompany us with the gracious gift that we are administering for the glory of the Lord himself and to show our eagerness to help. We are taking this precaution so that no one will criticize us about this large sum that we are administering. Indeed, we are giving careful thought to do what is right, not only before the Lord, but also before the people. We should ask ourselves with regard to the handling of our resources and our public witness, do we act, do we act, this group, as, a, as with sterling integrity? I said that, I believe, last week. If you want to push one of my buttons, you can question my integrity. Question my integrity literally about anything. I get my position... Uh, I'm not the leader of Levener. I believe Jesus is the leader of Levener. I'm just the guy that's pushing the buttons. He's actually, I don't know, even know how to explain that. But I understand my role in public that I have to be of high integrity. If you're going to believe what I say, if you're going to trust what I say up here, I have to be a good witness out there. Yeah, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to... Some of some of you know me really well, and it's like it's like being a police chaplain is like one of the most difficult things I've ever done in my life. Because uh, one, when you say you're with the police, everybody automatically oh, and then when you say you're a chaplain, that's a double oh. And so when you're with the police, they don't want to be around the chaplain. But if I can do anything to just to show them I'm a normal guy, I'm just like them. I mean, I cuss like them, but <laughs> maybe. Uh, but if I can just show them that I'm a, a normal guy that loves Jesus and I care about him, and I have to have integrity when I do that. I have to, I have, to have integrity when uh, I receive your gifts, your offerings. I, I take that... I take that uh, with high importance. We have elders. We have elders, uh, four elders, and they are able to look at the financials. I'm just being straight out honest with you. I do everything through QuickBooks. As you well know, those who give, uh, in fact, last night I was working on contribution statements, getting those mailed out before January 30th. Those of you that gave last year, try to get those out. But uh, as soon as I receive money, I, I don't ever receive, it's, it's not like 
Paul here in the Jerusalem fund where they were probably receiving cash and resources and not knowing who it's coming from. I know where the money's coming from. And so I record it under your, your name. I record it. In fact, uh, if you have the Leavener app, you don't have to do it right now, but if you have the Leavener app, you can actually go into your own profile and hit your picture and it says giving and you can actually see what you've given this year and last year and you can print out your report if you need it in advance. <laughs> so it's there. And if there's ever a mistake, let me know. I think there's maybe been one mistake in 13 years. Which is pretty crazy uh, because you guys know how it goes. People, I'm always putting money in my pockets and trying to remember who it's from and stuff like that. But again, that's God's grace. And so I can tell you from uh, day one where every penny has come from and where every penny has gone. It's important to me, the integrity side of it. I also say this, and uh, we started in 2007. So 15 years, 15 years, wow. Um, I've had one person ask me where the money is spent. That's pretty crazy to think about because that, that means, one, that you trust. You trust me and the elders and those that uh, are responsible for doling it out, but uh, you just give. It's pretty wild to think about. Uh, the integrity part of it also is uh, I've never determined that Leavener is a church to the IRS. We're a ministry. What's the difference? We're a 501c3 just like a church is, but we're classified as a ministry, and as a ministry I have to fill out a 990 form every year. That's a long IRS document that is painful for me every year financially. And the elders get it, they look over it, they ask questions, yada, yada, yada. They send it to the United States government, and it is posted on the Internet. Like, the financials for Leavener Ministry are available to the whole world. Everybody can see it. I don't have a finance committee. I don't have, I don't need to because everybody has access to it. Integrity, integrity is important for this ministry for you to understand. And this is literally what Paul is saying here. Verse 22, he says, We have also sent with them our brother, we have often tested him in many circumstances. This is the second brother that we don't know their name. In many circumstances and found him to be diligent. And now even more diligent because of his great confidence in you. As for Titus, he is my partner and co-worker for you. As for our brothers, they are the messengers of the churches, the glory of Christ. Therefore, show them proof before the churches, your love, and of our boasting about you. Paul's literally saying, hey, you guys committed to helping to the Jerusalem phone last year. You haven't really, he doesn't say you haven't done anything. He goes, but I'm coming, and when I come, I don't want to embarrass you by it not being there and having to ask you for it. That would be tough. So he's like saying, I'm giving you warning that what you've said you would do, it's time to, Make it happen. Watch this. We get into 
2 Corinthians 9. I'm just going to do the first five verses here. Now concerning the ministry to the saints, it is unnecessary for me to write to you, for I know your eagerness. Now he's like saying, I know you're going to do it. It's all good. He says, for I know your eagerness, and I boast about you to the Macedonians. Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you in this matter would not prove empty, and so that you would be ready just as I had said. Again, he's preparing them for this collection. Make sure that it happens. He doesn't want to pressure them pressure them when he gets there. He's bragged about them to the mass. It's kind of interesting because uh, the Corinthians said that they were going to give to the Jerusalem fund. So when he was in Macedonia, he said, hey, the Corinthians are going to give. Do you guys want to give too? And the Macedonians did. And now he's got to go back to the Corinthians and say, hey, look, the Macedonians gave because you guys said you were going to. Now it's your time. Verse 4, he says, Otherwise, if any Macedonians come with me and find you unprepared, we, not to mention you, would be put to shame in that situation. Therefore, I consider it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance the generous gift you promised. You promised lots of money. (laughs) So it'll be ready as a gift and not as an extortion. He wants to set the Corinthians up for responding spiritually in a way that is out of generosity rather than out of stinginess. Like, oh, gosh, it's late. I forgot that I committed to this. I can give them this much. If Paul had come to town with some of the Macedonians and other, other believers and they weren't ready, it might seem like they're grudgingly having to come up with some money to contribute to the fund. But if he can help them spiritually get ready, say, hey, I'm coming. What's the Lord doing in you, through you? Then they can give out of a generous spirit, and they can do it as an act of worship. I'm stopping there. And I'll say this. Uh, I don't think we've ever had to ask for money because... The, the Holy Spirit leads you. And Leavener's good financially. We're good. I get a salary out of that. Takes care of my family. Um, we help people out of that. We give to the community. Um, we support those that are in need. We do some programming out of that. We do some programming like the dad and daughter dance and uh, camp and holiday world and things like that and we we you guys don't pay all those expenses we we pick up a lot of those expenses ourselves um camp is probably one of the most expensive things that we do all summer but i think it's it's important for the kids I just think it's important and i'm going to charge them what i think they would pay to go and not what it costs to go it's a big deal so we have expenses like that uh, but we're good we're good. I have, I have you guys that take care of us, uh, support us generously. Uh, if the Lord's leading you to give to other places, I encourage you to do that. I'm not asking you for money. It's not what this is about today. I'm simply reading the story and uh, explaining what happened here. But uh, you have graciously given to this ministry, and I'm thankful. Thankful. And... Uh, 
it's a, a tough passage for me to deal with. But at the same time, I'm excited to explain to you our situation. It's a good situation. Uh, in saying that, I'm I'm done with my. Is there any questions that you want to ask? Seriously, I'll just open up. Somebody said, "Let them ask questions." Really? Sure, Luke. Hang on, I didn't. I didn't get you recorded last week because you didn't have a microphone. I want to record you this week. I, I, I think when when you bring up the idea of giving, you know, it's a tough one if you're in leadership because you're basically one guy presenting out to the to the crowd to those that are the body of Christ. But from the body of Christ, I can tell you that. Um, there is a joyful giving, which is what Paul was asking for, which is out of abundance and, and, and by faith, giving by faith. If there's a fear that you're feeling, that's, that's not the Who, same me? thing. Who, me? No, just, every, just anyone givers. in general, yeah. Yeah. If, if, if you're feeling compelled and then you feel fearful, that is not it. It is... It is the joy of giving and trusting the Lord that he'll take care of you. And, um, you know, we, we have found that we're moving into a new house. And um, when there's expenses, I get fearful. And it's not walking by faith. But when I think about what the Lord has done for me financially, and then what I've been able to do and receive financially that has been by faith, I rest. And that just happened this week where... I'm starting to stress out because of all the expenses that are coming, but I have nothing to stress about because one way or another, the body of Christ would take care of me if I need it. And so my question is, is fear is the one thing that kind of gets in the way of faith. It's almost that opposite. So I don't know if you would, you could address fear and that, and the thought of, seeing things from a worldly perspective versus a spiritual perspective. Yeah, I, I think that um, it, it, it all comes down to that one thing of trust. I mean, because it, it's not any different for me uh, if the Lord has put me in charge of administering the funds that we receive, you know, and I'm like, oh, I need to like give this person $5,000. That's a lot of money. Or whatever it is, you know, our, our gifts have been big, they've been small. But there's a fear even in me, like, oh, what am I, the crazy thing is, it, it, and Michelle can attest to this, it's almost like every time that we do this, within the 24 hours, it's come back in the mail by, some, by somebody else. It, it doesn't even make sense. I literally try to give money away and I get it back. But that's the way the Lord works. And so... It is a matter of trusting, um, especially if you've never done it before. Yeah, I mean, remember the first time we ever started giving, and yeah, it's a big leap. I get it. Anybody else?
I thank you. I thank you for your heart. I thank you just for the way that you do ministry here, not just financially. But when he's talking about Titus and these men, and even women, he, <clears throat> we, <clears throat> we all know that as you go through the Gospels, that like the women were the biggest financial supporters of Jesus' ministry. So uh, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for what you do and to have people around me that not only givers financially, but givers just discipling, loving people, caring for people. Dave Oltoff isn't here. But the Lord's put on his heart to uh, gather a group of people to minister to you. And so we're praying about what that looks like, and we're getting really close, but it's kind of cool. Like he literally wants to take things off of my plate and have you guys just minister to the people. So I can spend more time doing this and studying and preparing, and uh, but everybody's got crisis. And so that's what the Lord's doing with Dave. Ask him about it. It's pretty cool. He'll probably hear about it. It's just fascinating to be around this group. So, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for just taking care of us, literally taking care of a group of people that goes through uh, struggles and grief and joy and happiness, and, uh, that we can do this together as, a, as a brothers and sisters in Christ, as a family. We trust you with all of our resources, all that you have given to us, may you manage it through us. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.